Time again, Little Maniacs, another episode of Scaring is Sharing. Yes, the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Hello. Hello. And I am here today with my bestie, my fave, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. Aw, you're too kind, Brandy Joe Planback, the flaming scream queen <laughs> yourself. <laughs> and if you've never listened to us before, Jeremy and I love horror movies. We love talking about them. We love watching about them. Or watching, well, I watch about them a lot. <laughs> I like but... that. We love watching about them. <laughs> I do, though. Um, but we also love watching them. In particular, we love having this podcast where we can share what we've watched and give then we assign the other person a film that they've not seen before and then we go away we watch them and we come back and we talk about them yeah that's yeah, it that i will it. say i think horror movies do have the best behind the scenes things so watching oh, yeah? about oh, horror because movies. there's like special effects and things like that. yeah because there's always like special effects or costumes or stuff going or if there's like a good scare scene it's always fun to see you know a dissection of like how they achieve it in mm. in uh, creating the movie so i do uh, love I find, a good anatomy of a scene yeah i find that horror movies tend to have some of the best ooh, uh documentaries oh, and the, the best ones the best the best yeah i know that the, i just saw there's a documentary for something shit i can't remember i did watch that pet cemetery documentary fuck it was like yesterday i saw an image on for some documentary somewhere about a horror movie and it's escaping me uh but yeah i love like especially like you were saying like the behind the scenes like pictures of some special like i i know like in nightmare on elm street 2 when mm -hmm. you see like freddy's eye like in jesse's mouth mm -hmm. and they show like how that effect was achieved because everything in that movie was like practical and so it's especially of course fun the practical effects to see how they did shit and to yeah. see people like who were killed and whatnot, just sort of smiling, covered in blood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or in the uh, uh, very related is uh, where you see the monster or the killer, but very candid. Because it's just the actor, like, hanging out in costume. Like, there's the one of, like, I think of the meme of, like, Bill Hader and Bill Skarsgård on the set of uh, It Chapter 2, where they're, like, clearly talking about the scene, but Bill Skarsgård is fully in Pennywise get up, just kind of like standing casually talking to Bill Hader. Uh, or the one from the original Halloween where Nick Castle has the Michael Myers mask on his head and he's like pouring a pop, holding the pop up to the mouth, goofing around. I was around, literally so. just going to say that. That's such mm -hmm. a great shot. Is there a shot with him and Jamie Lee Curtis, like candidly? I think there is. I feel like I've seen one. I was yeah. wondering about that. but There's more than a few. from oh, Okay. Uh, Halloween, where you're like, ah, oh, that looks like it was fun. Yeah, it would have been fun. Would have been a gay old time. So, of course, I have to ask, and I already creeped and saw your letterbox um, score, but you saw Godzilla minus one. I did, and hated uh, it. Oh gosh, <laughs> I hated it so much. No, if you saw that, I gave it five stars on Letterbox. Wow, because wow. I was like, this is something else. Uh, it made me cry multiple times. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing is like everyone's for real when they're talking about the 
thing about this movie is it's a really good movie, even if Godzilla wasn't in it. If this was just a drama about people trying to survive in post-World War II Japan, it would still be super compelling. Because hmm. the the human, the dramatic story, I think, is, is just really well done. Uh, and that's what, you know, people are connecting with, I think, going to see this thing. And then you throw in a monster and it's even it's very much I saw a blurb on uh I think it might have come from Letterboxd where somebody was saying that this new Godzilla is like if you mixed Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Dunkirk into one movie. And it's like, yeah, it does feel like that. It has components of all three of those movies. So Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. It I'm... is. It is. But yeah, I loved it. So uh, I'm going to keep uh, recommending it to people. And I think if... Uh, you're not that into Godzilla. It's actually a really good one to see to be uh, uh, brought into jump, the fold. Yeah, brought into the fold. Uh, definitely better than uh, I'm going to say it, people. But I think it's better than Shin Godzilla. So I think most people are saying that. Mm. I, I, I don't, I don't know, know. I see a lot no. of the online communities where a lot of people are like Shin Godzilla was better, and I'm like, really? Like Shin Godzilla is not terrible. It just didn't have the story that this movie does like this has a human characters you care about and go on a journey with you know character development yeah. so shin godzilla was more like a bunch of caricatures <laughs> thrown at you uh as the story unfolds so okay yeah well i definitely want to see it which i i, I think before i probably would have at some point but like i want to see it now so mm-hmm. yeah so i'm gonna Speaking of the movie theaters, Joe and I go to New York in less than a week. And I was like, yesterday, I was like, okay, I'm in New York City. I wonder if there's a screening of Silent Night, Deadly Night, because that would be Ooh, so fun. So I looked it awesome. up, and there is like the IFC Center or something like that. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it's called. Um, yeah, the IFC Center. It is screened there, but it's screened there this weekend. Oh. But do you know what's screening next weekend when I'm there? What? The OG Black Christmas. Oh my God, go see it. It has midnight showings, and Joe wants to go with me, so we're going to go. Oh, that's so cool. Doesn't that sound fucking amazing? Black Christmas on the big screen, the OG as it's meant to see. That's going to be awesome. Oh my God, I am so fucking excited. And my friend Jeff and his boyfriend Jake live in the city as well, and we're going to see a bunch of shows together, and he loves horror films too. Jeff does. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he, like, he hasn't seen a lot of the older stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't know if he's seen it, but I really want, if he hasn't in particular, I want him to come because, holy fuck, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one if people haven't seen it too. Yeah, like, so to, I'm to spring so... on people excited and on christmas i think i said it before we're seeing saw the musical Mm -hmm. which i'm so excited for and then you know what we're seeing on christmas night what we are seeing dracula a comedy of terrors oh which is is like an off-broadway parody of dracula (laughs) cool what a way to spend a christmas yeah that's gonna be fun (laughs) so i'm so excited two very alternative sort of Christmas shows. We're seeing yeah. the Blockheads like the night before, like Christmas okay. at like 10 o'clock. So then Christmas is like blood and gore. And I just read that Saw the Musical is going on tour. <gasps> not It's so far not coming to Detroit. Oh, okay. I'm sure it's like, you know, it's like Chicago and like Seattle and things like that. But who knows? Who, who knows? knows? Maybe it will. And then we can do an episode where we go to the theater. Or we just do Saw it the in musical. my theater, you know? Or you do that, and we do an episode that's a behind-the-scenes <laughs> about the making of it at your theater. 
So I'm super uh, duper excited about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeremy, I have a question for you. We saw each other last night, which was great, because a hug from you and your wife in one night is enough to just recharge me for a very long time. Mm. But it was great to see you. But your wife brought up something that I don't think you've ever talked about. What's that? And that's that your house in Hazel Park that you used to live in, not a mile from me, was haunted. I, yes. I'm, I don't think you've ever talked about that. Really? I thought I may have like maybe mentioned you did, it. And maybe I just a ghost, but... stoner brain. Yeah. No, it was it was totally haunted. Was it the piano? Because think... that piano was creepy. Oh, God, no. I don't know. So, okay. Bear with me, everyone. And it depends <laughs> on if you're into this sort of stuff. Because our neighbor uh, at the time, too, at that house, she was uh, like a, a sensitive. Um, okay. So she was into all kinds of like occult and ghosty stuff. So we would talk about that shit all the time when I uh, saw her. But um, after we moved out, because my wife is like deathly afraid of ghosts. Like the idea of ghosts freaks her out so much. So I just don't talk about it. Um, but multiple times in that house, I had experiences like while I was home alone. Um, I'd go into the basement, lights would be on by themselves that I didn't leave on or don't remember leaving on, uh, which would always freak me out. Um, the big one was one time I was home alone and I was in our living room uh, and I had like gotten up to go do something. And while I was standing, it felt like immediately behind me, somebody said something. It, it sounded like a woman's voice. Uh, and it was something along the lines of like, what are you doing here? Or something like that is what I heard. Oh. And it made me, of course, stand up and all the hair on my body was like standing on end. So I turned around and of course, there's nothing there. So I went and sat on the porch for a while outside by myself like, okay, uh, maybe I was just hearing things. But like in that moment, it was so scary. Um, but that was the big one. But often it was like lights and just... Uh, uh stuff like that like little things um but that was the one big experience and then after we moved out uh we had messaged our neighbor where sarah was like was that house haunted like did you ever feel and she's like oh yeah i'm pretty sure the house was 100 years old uh and she was like i get a sense that the original like farmers that lived there are still in the house um and i was like okay that made sense to me because i'm like i always felt like there was more than just us here uh, especially in a house that old and it was an old farmhouse is like what it used to be or there was like old okay. farmland around like a hundred years prior in that area so wow okay mm-hmm. that, yeah that's that's creepy yeah so there you go that was my ghostly experiences in that house so i'm like it wasn't like super you know not like scary haunted but i'm like it was totally like uh what do they call that like echoes like i'm pretty sure the uh people that lived there before were still their yeah. presence was still there. Whoa. Yeah. Last night when the show was going on, like I helped, there's like a guest star. And so like I meet them at the door and I get them settled in and then I hang out in the green room a little bit and we have a monitor in there. So like I was watching some of the show and like, you know, you can hear the show like this, you know, like what's going on out on stage. And then like, I heard this like whispering and I was like, what the fuck is that? So like I like walked up towards the front, but like the building was closed by this point and everyone was like gone. But mm-hmm. like I was like, who is whispering? And like I walked up and like no one was at like the front of like where there's like little offices. Like no one was up there. And I was like, what? Am I crazy? Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. So I sit back down and like I can hear the show, but then I hear this fucking whispering again. And I'm like, 
this is creepy. Like, I, I know I'm hearing this. And so, like, I walk up towards the monitor because I'm like, is someone sitting right by where the speaker is out in, like, the theater? And they're whispering, so it's coming through. So, like, I walk up, and that's not the case. But then I hear it again, and I look down, and one of the people in our show, Miles, He's a big twitcher and he has like a Twitch stream up on his phone, mm. <laughs> like just like sitting there. So someone's like twitching about whatever video game they're playing or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's just like talking the whole time. And I was like, oh my God, that scared the literal shit out of me. Like I was like, cause I could hear it. I knew I heard it. Like I knew I wasn't crazy, but I could not figure out where it was coming from. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was my, that's as much of a ghost as I've ever seen as someone's Twitch. I was going to say, I've, I've done something much. similar to that before, though, where I was like at the grocery store shopping uh, and I'm walking and then I stop. And then in like the moment of silence where no one's around me, I'm like, who's behind me? Like, I hear talking like why is somebody like right near me? And then I realize in my pocket, my phone is like playing Spotify and I have the volume like cranked up and I've been like walking around like an idiot where I'm like, oh, my phone is just making noises. And like people are probably like, what is wrong with this guy? that's funny Uh, i have this buddy ryan who's big into horror movies he's so awesome and yesterday he though he had an instagram story and he's like i have this friend who like just posted on instagram yesterday with his negative with his positive covid test and then he's like and today he's posting pictures of himself out at the gym and at the grocery store without a mask on he's like people you gotta stay home stay home don't go Mm -hmm. out and be a spready kruger oh i like that <laughs> i know i was like oh my god i love spready kruger i mean i don't love a spready kruger but i love that term that that's phrase a, that's a good term i, and like I agree spready it's kruger. like if you're sick people stay home seriously like same, calm down same with anything even if you have like the flu and stuff it's just like don't go running around make other people life. sick when life yeah. talks to you and tells yeah. you something you gotta listen yeah. to it Calm down. Don't be a spready Kruger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else, Jeremy? Um, what have you watched besides Godzilla minus one? Anything horror related? Yeah, I did a. Uh, let's see. I wanted to bring up that I rewatched Shin Godzilla after seeing oh, okay. uh, Godzilla minus one. Uh. I actually bumped it up from the score I had it by half a star. So it went from oh. three to three and a half this time around. But okay. still, still, I think it's, uh, you know, minus one is just so good. Um, and I also had been watching. I didn't finish it. I watched like half of the movie, but I revisited Drag Me to Hell, which is currently mm. on Netflix right now. Uh, and this go around, though, it's been many years since I've actually watched that flick. Uh, well, number one, I was like, Justin Long again, you're everywhere right now. Every turn I turn, I forget. Oh, Justin Long's in this movie. Um, but as I was watching, it, I was like, holy crap, this movie is so heavily inspired by Night of the Demon from the 1957 yeah. one, where I'm like, whoa, with that more fresh in my mind and us having uh, watched and talked about that movie. I'm like, oh, wow. OK. And then I looked it up online and it said, yes, Sam Raimi. And uh, I believe that was. Sam and his brother Ivan wrote that one. And yeah, they said they used Night of the Demon as like the main inspiration for the story. So I was like, yep. oh, cool. Very cool. I know we talked about that because I read that exact same thing. And I've not seen Drag Me to Hell since I've seen Night of the Demon. But mm-hmm. I think I read it at the beginning of watching it. 
So it made it all that much more interesting. Yeah. So watching the similarities. So now going back and watch drag me the hell. It's like, holy crap. It is very similar. So yeah, that's awesome. I have wanted to rewatch that. I just read a list of like the best PG 13 horror and Mm -hmm. that was number two. And the ring was number one, which makes so much sense. It also is like that movie I think is so, yeah, you're like, it is PG-13 because it's not gory, but it's still so good at being a Sam Raimi movie that I'm like, really? This is only rated PG-13 because this thing feels so intense and over the top yeah. that you think it would be an R, but I guess not. So, Like the puking maggots? like in Yes, the yeah, all the all the gross gags like that. Because there's a couple of times where, where there's like vomit scenes and you're like, yeah. those alone are like, holy crap. And... Is it? Did you watch it on DVD or Blu-ray? No, this was oh. on. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. Okay, because I was gonna say I'm pretty sure there is like an unrated version. I think that yeah, there is a uh, like what would have been the R-rated cut, mm-hmm. which I think though it only has like it just has some more blood or something like that in it. That that yeah, because did she puke a lot of blood at some point? It's There's coming a scene out of where her she, nose. Yeah, she gets a nosebleed and it sprays yeah. everywhere, and that scene is crazy. But I, I think of the uh, uncut, it's even more. So got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good movie. I love it. And yeah, yeah. I, I love a good PG 13. Uh, the other one that was on there was the final girls. There was a whole slew of them. I think mm-hmm. I almost said orphan, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not on there. But speaking of orphan three is happening. Oh, really? Yep. I, they, I just cool. read that or at least, you know, it isn't like currently filming. So who knows, yeah. but it has been like announced and, they haven't said for sure, but I imagine Isabella Furman will come back because she yeah, should, you know, she should. And I like this. That was one of those rare instances where I'm like, I thought first kill was better than the first one. So, yeah, yeah. I really do like the OG, but but I like the campiness of yeah. the second one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other little bit of horror news I have was that they just said um, John Waters is going to be on Chucky as like the good guy doll creator. Oh, good. That's Which is cool. Fun. I did start the newest season, the third season of Chucky. There's only like four episodes. And mm-hmm. then I think they're taking a break and like coming back sometime in 2024. But Devin Sawa is back at it. Oh, as cool. the president of the United States. It's beautiful. He's so uh, good. Oh, that's time. great. And John yeah. Waters has already been in the series. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He was in Seed of Chucky as like, I think he was like a tabloid reporter or something like that. I'm so. surprised he wasn't himself, given the nature of that particular film. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's 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 good at playing characters. Like he's a he's a decent actor. So I like to uh, see him get a character role to play. That's always fun. And where's the new John Waters movie? Yeah, I don't know, man. He's a he may have retired from directing. Like, I feel like you ever really. Yeah, I think he may have made a statement about that years ago or like one of those like he just doesn't have anything exciting to say anymore in the film world or or is it another one of those like like uh, like with David Lynch where everyone is like, David Lynch, why haven't you made another movie? And he's like, it's because nobody wants to give me the money to make the stuff I want to make. So I wonder if that's uh, also the what's going on with John Waters. But John Waters, make a horror film, please. That'd be great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be cool. Make another serial mom. That'd be great. Yeah, oh, my God. So fucking good. I love serial mom. Pussy Willow. Uh, I watched one thing this week. Well, I watched two things. I watched May, December, which is not a horror film, but did you see that? Natalie Mm-mm. Portman, Julia Moore. 
it is bizarre to say the least. Okay. Um, it, it sort of feels like a very dramatic lifetime movie. Like for the Golden Globes, it's nominated for best comedy slash musical, which just feels weird. But it made me wonder if maybe I didn't watch it with the right scope. Like that I should have watched it as a comedy because it didn't come across like that. I don't know. At the Golden Globes, they do that, though, where they'll call a movie a comedy and you're like, that was a comedy? Like, where? how do you? I mean, like, I guess a very, like, pitch black, you know, very dark comedy. But sometimes they love to throw those in there. So, yeah, so that but I did like it, like the performances are great and everything like that. But then yesterday, well, the last couple nights, it took me a couple nights to watch it. I watched A Creature Was Stirring. Not mm, all mm-hmm. creatures were stirring, but a creature was stirring, which is a new the new one. scout Taylor Compton yeah. and Chrissy Metz or whatever from This Is Us. Okay. And <clears throat> that little gay boy from Gossip Girl. I don't think he's gay in real life, but um, okay. I can't remember his name. He ends up being Gossip Girl, spoiler alert. But um, he, he is, and it is not great. It is infused with like, bold color choices always Mm. like it all takes place or the majority of it in like a house Mm -hmm. but it sort of feels like very extreme neon christmas lights are on in every room because it is just like seeped in like neon greens and blues and pinks and things like that like the color in it is like amazing Mm -hmm. it's just weird it's like a weird sort of creature feature slash home invasion it's bizarre, but like the monster is like a giant porcupine. So hmm. that's like sort of weird. Cool. Is it? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess not. not. Maybe not. But maybe for you, you do love a creature. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I didn't okay. love it, but I wouldn't right. even say it's like worth a watch. But like Scout Taylor Compton has talked about it for some while. One of the things she did talk about in the making of it, like there is a particular moment where Chrissy Metz gets like covered in blood. And in the filming, they had like, um, you know, some device that would shoot all the blood onto her, Mm -hmm. like a big splat, like a sort of how it happens. And she was really like emotionally fucked up because of that effect. Whoa. Like they didn't like properly prep her for it and Mm -hmm. like i don't know it triggered something in her like i don't know if she's had an experience or if it just freaked her out like maybe it was like that effect of i can't remember i think she was on the show and i feel like she talked about it or maybe scout talked about it but just how that like intense giant splash of blood Mm -hmm. just like triggered something in chrissy Metz, like that like of like getting shot or whatever but it caused like some serious like trauma yeah yeah it's like how interesting like i guess like how do you prepare because you could say like we're gonna splash you with blood and they someone be like okay just not fully understanding the impact that it could have Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a little fascinating and you never know because it it is fascinating the traumas people carry too that you you don't know what experience in life could could be like oh it activated that that horrible situation i was in for some reason that's what it reminded me of so uh yeah i know and while you can't fully prepare for things like that and especially like acting where you dive into other stories and things like that Mm -hmm. i feel like a it's okay to have whatever response you have and to be honest about that but then Mm -hmm. there's the other side of the coin that the people on the other side the non-acting side have to be like create that safe space where someone can talk about it and like 
especially in a movie environment, anywhere though, like if someone does have an experience that is traumatic for them throughout the process, that they can let you know, and then that you as the creative team can do something to help with it. Like that, yes, you know, you offer counseling or someone to talk to, or just, you know, making sure that the person can feel safe moving forward. Otherwise, like everything is damaged, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like yeah. all about that safe space. Yeah. And Which goes for intimacy as well. Yeah, intimacy and and then just in general, we live in the modern world and we know mental health is really important. So these are things you should not ignore when you're, you know, uh, reactions of shock uh, and traumatic uh, uh, feelings like that is your body telling you, you know, do what your body's saying. It's telling you it does not like this. So that's that's what that is. So pay don't attention be a Kubrick. Yeah. Pay attention to these things, people, because it's uh, it's it's important. Don't be a Kubrick and don't be a Spready Kruger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't be those people, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have, Jeremy? Should we get to our telegrams? Uh, just a couple bits of news that I yeah, thought were me. interesting was, again, speaking of Godzilla Minus One, it has again expanded to more theaters, mm. uh, and, and they're yet again lengthening the theatrical run now until... Uh, the last blurb was that it's going to be in theaters till at least like the 21st to 22nd, something like that. Um, but the of fact December, that, that's it? One more week? Yeah, another week. They keep doing it by weeks, but they're saying they're just going to keep going as long as it keeps it selling like, out. They're just yeah. going to keep it out. So, yeah, um, yeah, it just keeps extending that. That I think they put it out thinking it would just be like an art film or something like that. They get these like limited runs. Um, but the fact that it's just doing gangbusters at, the, at like theaters everywhere as it keeps expanding to more screens, more showings. And I think that's probably just going to keep up through the holiday season. It looks like so now I really want to see it, but I'm wondering if I should wait till I'm in New York. And I wonder if there's a 40 X screen. Oh, that yeah. That would be I've never experienced 40 X. And I saw some letterbox review that someone was like, this is my first and last 40 X because it was too much. And I'm like, ah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just me being at like the theater I was in that I saw it. The sound system utilized like the soundscape of that movie so well that like even that was like holy crap! It feels like I'm there. Uh, like when Godzilla shows up and like roars and the entire theater is shaking. Uh, you're like, okay, this is such yeah. an awesome sound design. Um. But so there's that. And then for my for my fellow nerds out there, uh, what I think is interesting is A24 has partnered with uh, Hideo Kojima and his studio, Kojima Productions. Now, for those of you not in the know, Hideo Kojima is like the king of video game developers right now. Like um, uh, he he's the director creator of uh the metal gear metal gear solid series okay. um which is you know those are great games um but he did a game called death stranding from a few years ago uh hmm. and that is what he partnered with a24 they're going to adapt it into a movie that he's going to direct is what they're saying so he's doing his first movie what is it about it is a and it's sort of a horror science fiction like action thing. It's in like a post-apocalyptic United States where there's this weird event where creatures from like beyond the grave sort of thing, you know, these ghostly things are coming through to our world uh, and they've caused all this environmental damage. Uh, and it gets like there's so many like weird little plot elements like uh, the main character of the game is played by Norman Reedus. 
uh, and he is a um, from Walking Dead, from Walking Dead fame, uh, where he's a uh, like a delivery guy, essentially a courier, where he has to try take goods between these c- cities that people live in now, uh, like isolated cities, uh, and he's got like this baby. It's like a premature slash like stillborn baby that have the, like psychic powers oh, and it like it's weird. really there's so many weird elements but the, the game also has like Mads Mikkelsen is in it uh as a character Guillermo del Toro plays it he got all these great like big names you know uh to be in the game their likenesses and stuff so I'm hoping the movie is just cast those actors now for the movie adaptation hmm. that would be cool so okay. uh, but it, it's really weird it's a wild storyline uh it feels like a perfect a24 production to uh uh team up with him so I'm excited to see what comes of it cool yeah so well, that sounds intriguing it, it could be it's one of those things where you're like, this could either be a big thing that, you know, blows up and is awesome, or it could be just, you know, a blip. <laughs> see what happens, you know, very sure. niche just for certain nerds. So we'll see what happens with it. But I'm excited for that partnership. OK. Cool. Mm-hmm. What else well, you got it. for me? That's all I got. OK. Yeah. Well, let's get to our telegrams. We got yeah, two today, which we love. Yep, I think yep, Teacher yep. Drew must be away on vacation. So, Teacher Drew, hope you're having a glorious time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll read mine first. So, okay. this is from Goth Botanist Lauren, who writes, Hey, guys. So, I did it. I made a letterboxed account. I've been trying <laughs> to watch recommendations from the show that I haven't seen uh, along with random things that I find on streaming services, and then I forgot what I've seen. I mean, a lot of times it's forgettable, but I suppose even those are worth logging so others can learn from my mistakes. My username is the Goth Botanist in honor of you guys. I'm struggling to figure out how to find anyone using the app, so you have to find me. And then the laughy emoji with a little bit of sweat. We watched The Mean One. Yup, that one. I kept <laughs> getting Art the Clown vibes from The Green Villain and finally realized David Howard Thornton is playing the role. But it's definitely not a great movie. Tess and I both fell asleep just when things should have really taken off. I did wake up in time to see the consequences of his heart growing three, three sizes that day. And then heart emoji that's like beating. I watched Summer of 84 and I really enjoyed it. It's the... The kid knows the neighbor is a bad guy and needs to prove it, but it doesn't feel tired or a carbon copy despite the classic formula. It goes a bit darker than traditional story tends to tread, which kind of makes it feel more genuine. I'll say it's a balanced mix of Black Phone, Stranger Things, and Disturbia. I'm probably missing a key movie, but that's my brain. I wish Shudder kept a list of what I watched so I could go back and report all those mistakes. My Amazon Prime has also gone down a dark road of low-quality horror, some of which I've sent to Jeremy. In honor of the Christmas season, I revisited Black Christmas 1974 and then Black Christmas 2006. Watching them back-to-back really showed how story presentation has changed. The OG is filled with uncomfortable prank calls and the situation revolves around what appears to be a completely random bad guy. It stays with the concept of a faceless killer lurking in the shadows the remake pretty much throws a backstory in your face from the very beginning like they made an entire world using snippets of the og honestly it feels like how halloween 1978 is literally about a random faceless guy killing a few babysitters and later versions created these elaborate backstories about murdering animals and kids and all that that being said, Black Christmas 74 is classic 1970-1980 slasher. Black Christmas 06 is classic 2000s 
slasher. I'd recommend people watch both, but I suppose each one will speak to different generations. Growing up in that awkward baby Gen X slash elder millennial generation has made me pretty forgiving when it comes to these things. Also, you guys failed to mention the excellent villainy of John Leguizamo. He Mm. literally shot a Christmas tree in Silent Night. Thank you, Tess. And yes, that is true. And then Tess sent uh, a little clip of John Leguizamo talking about um, being a bad guy in that film. But yeah, I don't think we mentioned him once, truly. That's true. I don't know how I did that, too, because I really like uh, John Leguizamo. He's a great, uh, uh, great actor, great character actor. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Lauren. Yeah, and I love John. Him. I love him as a bad guy too. Sorry, John. Yeah, no, he's he's got a list of great uh, villains. So, uh, yeah, what are we yeah. doing? What are we doing? <laughs> but thank you, Lauren. Yeah, one uh, Christmas horror film I have no interest in watching is the mean one. That's for sure. Yeah, I I remember. I was interested when it got announced because it got announced so close to like Winnie the Pooh, Blood yes. and Honey coming out. So I was hoping we were about to have this like like a renaissance of like good bad movies coming mm-hmm. out uh but alas no they were just bad bad and then i heard the mean one was you know not great much like winnie the pooh blood and honey so i was one like one of oh, those okay. has got to be good yeah one it? of them is gonna be like campy and becoming like an instant cult classic for sure but which one which one will yeah, it be one of them, time, one of them will will. time will tell time will tell and summer of 84 are you a fan uh no i've never seen it and i've oh my God. i've heard good things about it oh. but so many things it. I want to say, but I'll just save them for when I give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's so good. I'm glad Lauren watched it. And yeah, I mean, we already touched on Black Christmas. I'm not a fan of the 06. I recently rewatched it when wrapping presents two years ago mm-hmm. because everyone talks about what campy fun that is. And I liked it more that time going in knowing it wasn't going to be a great movie. Good. Yeah. But I still didn't love it. Mm-hmm. It's really weird because you don't. When it's set up and when it came out, I was like, you don't know who the lead is. Mm. Like, you think it's one person and it's not, but it's not like a Janet Lee, Drew Barrymore sort of thing. Like, it's just no, the movie just feels unfocused. Yeah, exactly. That's how I Mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. So, yeah, quit trying to make Black Christmas happen, is what I say. Yeah. And I heard the most recent, recent one was like just a disaster. So, disaster all the way. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, All yep. right. Thank you so much, Lauren. And everyone go follow The Goth Botanist on Letterboxd. I, I was spelling it incorrectly, so botanist is B-O-T-I-N-I-S-T. I did not want to spell it that way, but that's how you'll find Lauren. Okay. All smashed together, all one word. The Goth <laughs> Botanist. <laughs> Already hunted her down, so. Good. Me too. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. Next telegram is from Brett. Yes, and Brett. Brett writes... Hello, my scare fiends. Hope you are enjoying the holiday season like a horror-filled eggnog. I, I do love eggnog, so. I I'm don't. In. I love the idea of an eggnog. I'm in for that. Much like Adam Driver just talked about in uh, the newest SNL in his monologue. I like my eggs nogged. Uh, <laughs> in your last podcast, you guys were talking about real-life horror films, and it had me thinking about one of my favorite films of all time. 
Green Room. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. I think it hit home for me because it is about a shitty band playing in a shitty dive bar, which I have done on several occasions, and a very shitty situation emerges from it. I can honestly say it was one of the few films that actually got my heart racing at parts. It also has Patrick Stewart playing the creepiest neo-Nazi, a must-see for that fact alone. Yeah, Green green Room is incredible. Oh, classic. Uh, Brett continues, I also want to take a minute and talk about Violent Night. When I was visiting home for the holidays, my mom wanted to watch a Christmas movie together. She is not a fan of horror films or anything with gore in general, but since I was the guest, I got to pick. And I picked Violent Night. To my surprise, my mom was cheering on Santa as he stabbed people with sharpened candy canes and bashed in skulls with a hammer. She loved it. I had to know why, because I have tried to show her films with way less violence that she wanted no part of. She told me that she is okay with violence if, and only if, it is justifiable. There is nothing more justifiable than Santa killing the bad guys to save children and Christmas. So now I am on the hunt to find some more justifiable violence movies that she may love. Any ideas? Much love from the West Coast, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Green Room. We fucking love Green Room. Yeah, Green Room is just amazing. Like, and yeah, for real life horror, because it is, you know, the type of movie where it's nothing fantastical. This very much could happen and probably has, you know, people have experienced violence from, you know, neo-Nazis. So, like, it's very real. Um, and yeah, yeah, check out Green Room if you not Yeah, I still need to see Blue Ruin, but you gave me Murder Party, which is also great by the same yeah. folks. So, so good. We love Macon Blair. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't even know that name before, but now I do because of you. Yeah, now you're way into his stuff. So, and he's great. Um, justifiable violence. Do you do you have anything I have that jumps some. to mind? I yeah. think the first one that comes to mind is Carrie White. Mm, not yeah. for everybody, okay? Because there's mm-hmm. lots of innocent people that are killed. Yeah, I, I I think in particular to get Chris Hargison and and Billy whatever his butt is back. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's certain people that it feels justifiable, not as a whole again, because lots of innocent people who probably were not laughing at her get mm-hmm. killed. But I still think that and her mom, like her mom, is like the absolute worst to her. Um, also, I think of I spit on your grave, which is totally just yeah 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 yeah, yep yeah stuff like that the last house on the left um yep 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 definitely like the remake of last house on the left i think is uh, you you feel that vibe throughout if you watch that one where you're like yeah kill those guys this is you know it is i love this uh or i love seeing the revenge take place uh of course the big one for me that comes to mind not horror movies but the john wick series is built on the idea of justifiable violence i think because it's like the bad guys mess with him uh in such a way that you're like i don't care what he does to any Mm -hmm. of these guys in retaliation like i am there for it and then they built a series of four movies that just continue to build off that idea where bad guys keep coming at him and you're like yeah i want him to just keep killing all these guys because they're awful so um yeah, those those come to mind, but oh man. Uh, yeah, also maybe Samara Weaving um and your um not your next. Although your next is a good one too. Yeah, it is. Um, your next uh but um ready or not. Yeah, ready or not and uh I don't know, The Hunt. Oh, uh, sure. Similar, like that's another one I think. Any of those movies where it's like somebody getting targeted uh by 
And then turning the tables. And turning the tables. Like, most dangerous game, really. The most dangerous game concept where they're being pursued by someone, but they turn the tables and get revenge. Like, any of those types. Those are pretty cool. And it Um, is such a good feeling when it happens. But, I mean, Green Room is one of the best. Like, that... Yeah, Green Room I, definitely is one yeah. of those justifiable yeah. violence movies. There's yeah. like things I want to say, but like it's it's one of those films that really you just gotta watch. You know? Yeah, experience it. Yeah, you gotta experience it. You know what? Literally, as I'm we're talking right now, I just got a, a telegram from Teacher Drew. So <gasps> it literally just popped up. What else? Do you have anything else to say about justifiable horror? No, I think that's it. All right, then I'm going to read Teacher Drew's, although it just cool. popped up, and normally he sends a two-parter, so we may only get one part in. <laughs> okay, let's do it. But he says, hey, Scare Boys, great episode per usual. I'm going to check out Red Snow, and you know that I thought It's a Wonderful Knife was great fun. Justin Long and horror are a perfect fit. With all my travel lately, my movie watching has been mostly dictated by Delta. I got Barbie, which was horrific in a different way. <laughs> oh. Past Lives was beautifully touching, as I always wonder about missed opportunities and impact our choices have i can see that he's still writing we may just have to read on the second part which is a a typical thing we do okay Um, i really want to see past lives i know it's not horror but everyone has just talked about what a beautiful movie is it is and i really want to watch that and the holdovers i want to see that as well yeah and i sorry teacher drew i loved barbie so oh i did too i'm so sad that he thought maybe he thought it was horrific because boys are awful yeah. Oh, the next part just popped in. The only horror I caught was I am not a serial killer. I liked it for its slow-burning psychological horror. What's your take? As the years wind down, I tend to contemplate how life has been. One of the consistently bright spots this past year has been you two and your podcast. You truly bring us joy. I know you have fun doing the podcast, but I hope you know how how appreciated you are. Till next time, love to you both. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, teacher Trophy. <laughs> I know. That's me. I was like, oh, don't cry. Oh, God, I literally almost did tear up. I know. That's so sweet. Just to know, like, I mean, because without this podcast, we would have never known teacher Drew or Lauren or, you know, yeah. people we would not know. Like, some people mm-hmm. are our friends that have listened and we become closer with, and I appreciate those people as well. But, like, the total strangers that have become companions and friends and cohorts yeah. in horror co-horrorts and that doesn't work yeah but, um part of I, this I little club say. we've got going on this horror that's what it feels like it feels like we've made this little club and it's just uh, i don't know uh, yeah. i think it's a really good feeling so i'm glad i'm glad you guys enjoy it and keep yeah. listening so thank you teacher drew and i have started to put in my put together my top list Mm-hmm. Top and bottom list, truly, because over on It's Only Podcast, they do their 666 episode, which is the top six and bottom six. So far, and I need to like go back and like look at all the movies that come out this year, because I only have four on the bottom, and I need to have at least six for theirs. But on the top, I have quite a few contenders. But then I also have, like, because I've been reading lots of the top ten lists, because I mm-hmm. love a list, as we've said. And I have, like, 15 movies I need to see that are consistently showing up on a lot of these Ooh. lists. Okay. A lot to watch. (laughs) Speaking of lists, too, the other day it just occurred to me. I'm like, we're on Letterboxd. We talk about Letterboxd. We got listeners that are jumping on Letterboxd now. Um, And I'm like, I need to curate the list. Like, I don't know how I haven't turned our list into a Letterboxd list of every movie we've covered on the show. Oh, that's, yeah. I I tag 
I have a tag of our show every time we do one of these movies. I, I may have missed one, but I should. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. I've been sitting there like, that. I should create a master list on Letterboxd. We have like everything. A, a spreadsheet. So yeah, we do the spreadsheet. I, yeah, I try to keep up on that. So I'm like, I should transfer this oh to my God, a, that's a great idea. To a Letterboxd list and just have it on there, which would be I great. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump to our, our shares. Yeah, let's and, do the sharing. In case people don't know, <clears throat> Jeremy and I are recording very early. I do an AA online meeting at 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings, and Jeremy and I start recording at 7.30 a.m., which is a first for us. Yeah, this is so <laughs> early. Like, I'm usually not... Uh... Not up and running <laughs> on the weekends this early. I feel like we were both quite quite vibrant. Yeah, we're on. Maybe I need to. Maybe we need to only do mornings. I just need to get up early, and I'm like good to go. So, Jeremy, I share first, and I'm giving you an option here. Oh, so, okay. speaking of justifiable horror, mm-hmm. like like Brett was talking about, I have a candidate there that I know you've not seen that's really good in that. Or I have a movie, I have a couple movies, but I think I'm sort of zoned in on one movie that I need to watch to see if it's one of my top contenders for the year that I know you haven't watched. Oh, shit. Okay. Which do you Um, want? Which pill do you take? (laughs) Let's do the justifiable violence one. I like that. Then we're going to do Revenge. Okay, revenge. I've heard. I yeah. This this came out and was like a thing. You know what I mean? Like I know when this came out, it was in the the indie press as like see this movie. It's great. I don't remember. I don't know a lot about it other than I in my head I see an image of a woman maybe with like a rifle or a gun. I think and it's some kind of yeah. She gets assaulted or attacked or uh, somebody crosses her in some way and she gets to get bloody revenge. Uh, and that's all you can ask for. And it better deliver with a title like Revenge. It better be gruesome. So it better be. So I'm ready. All right. Cool. All right. And I just see a couple things here. I continue to reach into my Santa sack of horror, if you will, and continue to keep finding Christmas themed horror movies that we've not discussed. Um, And this is we're in a bit of synergy. So just I just saw recently online that Planet Ant, whom we are affiliated with on their podcast network, uh, is teaming with Cinema Detroit. Oh, fun. Going forward, because I know Cinema Detroit lost their like permanent oh, location. Yeah. I but didn't hear that. How cool. Uh, apparently, they're teaming with Planet Ant going forward. And it's oh. going to be after the fact. Sorry, I couldn't advertise this sooner. But this very weekend on Sunday uh, at Planet Ant at Ant Hall, they're doing a screening with Cinema Detroit of the movie rare exports oh okay and that's my when pick is it for you it's on sunday i can't remember what That'll time be in the evening right yeah i think in the evening can you go i might be able to oh my god okay um i know i feel like it's it's german or something uh i think it's like an evil santa oh my god i am so excited and i really want to go see it there if we can yeah, um, seven, it's at right. 7 p.m. Can you do that? Uh, yes, I think I, I can. I can, too. Let's do it. Oh, my Let's God. Let's go see it. So fucking great. Um, great. So, and I think it is, it's like, a, I think there's a little boy involved, like, as one of the leads. And I, I feel like it's a thwarted Santa. God, there's just so many movies like this. But I've heard this is top of the line. And I've, I feel like I tried to watch it once, but I just didn't make it very far. I'm going to say mm-hmm. a thwarted Santa gets pissed off i mean it just sounds like violent night but um as opposed to out saving someone he's angry and going after 
because it's definitely more of a horror. There's something about him being frozen. I feel like mm-hmm. there's something about someone frozen in a block of ice and they get unfrozen and they're pissed off. So there you go. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. But oh my God, how fun. Uh, we're going to yeah, see him right? in person. And I think this synergy with Cinema Detroit is a great combo for us. I didn't know about this. I missed yeah, it. I just saw it on uh, on their uh, social medias uh, yesterday, in fact. And I was like, oh, okay, I got to do, we got to do this movie. Maybe we can get to the theater. So cool. Oh, fuck yeah. All yeah. right, we're doing it. Well, let's do All it. All right, we'll be back to talk about these movies in just a moment. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And now is the part where we talk about the movies. That's right. And I go first. And I shared with you the film from 2017 entitled Revenge. It is directed by Coralie, I don't know French or whatever this is. Um, <laughs> French. Far, Fargiat. Yeah. Fargiat, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Coralie Fargiat. And the tagline on Letterboxd is Why do women always have to put up a fight? And the description is, Jen's romantic getaway with her wealthy, in parentheses, married boyfriend is disrupted when his friends arrive for an impromptu hunting trip. Tension mounts at the house until the situation culminates in an unexpected way. Jeremy, what did you think of Revenge? I thought it was pretty solid for what it was, uh, which is, of course, a playoff as we I feel like this genre keeps coming up every few episodes for us. The rape revenge flick, as they call it, which is absolutely what this is. But uh, of note, because it is directed by a woman. So I think that's always an interesting spin on it when you take it that direction. Um, But heavy on the revenge. Hence the title revenge. Um, So it's got some. Good action pieces and gore in there. Um, But kind of. You know, the story is not full of too many twists or anything like that. Like once once things are set in motion, it's pretty like, you know, where things are going for the most part, I think. Um, But it's still it's still not a bad movie. Um, My only thing I think I and I saw some other people on Letterboxd too mention this where I'm like, it still feels interesting that she's still pretty sexualized, I'd argue, in like the revenge portion because she's running around in like. Uh, a bikini pretty much for like the entire movie where I don't know if there's a statement within that. Um, but it does feel sort of like it's still kind of catering to a male gazy sort of thing, but I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm a straight man watching this, that that's what it feels like to me. I don't know if there's some other commentary or something they're trying to go for there. It just was lost on me, but that, that was my only gripe. I think where it seems to be, you know, so pro- feminist and pro feminist, in many ways, except for that, where the costume design was still her just running around uh, in her like underwear <laughs> doing the revenge part. So, yeah, I the, the biggest surprise to me when I finally watched this was like on the poster, I was like, oh, this, you know, badass brunette with her neon pink gem in the hologram star earrings, like, you know, kicking some ass. And then here she is, this blonde girl in the beginning. Yeah. Yep. But then, like, 
so of course she goes through you know some some craziness and then i think a lot of that is like the blood in her hair but i also think there's something to her like sort of being reborn Mm -hmm. yeah it's like very heavy on the metaphor Mm -hmm. and that's where i i feel like the director is probably leaning into some of that here because i know i just read the description but and overall if you've not seen it yes this girl flies in on this helicopter and she's like just this real sexy thing and she's with her very hot married boyfriend and then these two other friends like show up that he's going to go like hunting with and throughout the course of some unfortunate events one of the friends rapes her and then she's like get me the fuck out of here and then she says something to the boyfriend that sort of like freaks him out about like telling his wife about them and so she runs, he slaps her, she runs away, and then they push her off of this cliff. They, yeah. the, the boyfriend pushes her off of a cliff. She's impaled on a tree, and they think that she's done in for, and then lo and behold, she's not. She rises from the ashes like a phoenix mm-hmm. <laughs> in more ways than one, and she kicks some ass. So that's the low and dirty down on this. But, like, I imagine some people could watch this and in the beginning, because she's sort of flirting with all the guys, and I bet some people could say, oh, she was asking for it, etc. Like, just, you know, based on how some people's viewpoints are. And that's where I feel like, I wonder if the whole thing, as straightforward as it is at times, is all sort of metaphorical. Mm-hmm. For, like you know, the other woman and how she is, like, villainized, uh, or, you know, that she... I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it just makes me think that the director is not some guy out there making I spit on your grave. Like, it does have this feminist viewpoint to it, and that's where I, I feel like I can get more behind it than I can a lot of these rape revenge films. And I really appreciate when the rape happens, it's not pleasant, but it isn't gratuitous. It isn't, Mm -hmm. it's sort of outside of the room, you know, what's happening and it is horrible, but it isn't lingered on. Like we just talked about with America, Mary, when she gets raped in that film. Yes. Also directed Uh, by women, but it is much more, you're in it and you're like, I don't want to be watching this. Yeah. It's, and and when you say that too, I do wonder if there is some commentary to be said where it's like she can still be um, empowered, uh, but kick an ass. You know, reclaim she can claim the sec reclaim the sexuality and still be a badass at the same time. So maybe there's some commentary there for that. I don't know, uh, but th- those are my thoughts. <laughs> and there's also like early on, all of the TV is like very masculine centered sports it's like wrestling and car racing and then in the climax we come back to the house when she's kicking ass and it's like like um shopping network like a shopping network which you know i noticed has a typical sort of feminine tone to it and there are Mm -hmm. women on the screen selling something like Mm -hmm. selling whatever product it is i can't even remember now so that's where I like all of those things makes me think like overall it is much more I, I keep saying metaphorical. I don't think that's probably the right terminology for it. Yeah, but the, commentary. The, it, that there's it's like commentary on women versus men and mm-hmm. women being sexualized and that like she doesn't deserve what she gets 
you know, and of course, duh. Like, but yeah. I mean, there would be people that would think like, well, she was sort of asking for, you know, she was flirting because she does the guy that rapes her. She is sort of flirting with him the night before, but she has the right to flirt and then say no to sex. Like she has yeah. every right. And he pretty much is like, no, you don't have the right to do that, which is where I think it leans into maybe some possible commentary of men saying, no, if you dance next to me, I deserve to have sex with you. Yeah. And in this scenario, she's like, no, and he rapes her. And then, you know, they try to kill her. Like, they're like, let's get this person out of the equation. True. And I, as I'm, as I'm speaking through all of this, too, I'm like, and the final guy at the end is totally naked for the entire climax. So it feels like that's a reversal right there where he's become the object of, you know, voyeurism because he's running around in the nude and is the vulnerable one there. So, And like I was talking about her hair color, like while I do think some of the end when her hair appears darker is like blood in her hair and whatnot. It also is something I think to her because she sort of goes, she takes some ayahuasca at some point and mm -hmm. she sort of goes through this rebirth. And even like the wound she did have is sort of gone. Mm -hmm. Like there's like a branding on it from like the beer can she uses to like solder or that's not the right word. What Cauterize. Thank you. Um, to carterize like her wound. Like, so it is, that's where I'm like, okay, now we're, we get really into like sort of metaphor and things like that is like, she does go through this rebirth and things that's like, cause it feels almost ultra realistic for a while. Not ultra realistic, but it feels realistic. Yeah. Just, but then it sort of takes these interesting turns where it feels a little bit more abstract. And I did love her nightmare sequence when she's, taken the ayahuasca and trips out for a minute that was really well done and i think like the standout part of the movie is the like hallucinatory trip she's on uh with some really cool cutting back and forth between wild imagery and things that have happened to her and i liked that juxtaposition of like uh she sees the uh the rapist uh and then he's immediately like juxtaposed with an image of a reptile like a desert lizard mm -hmm. uh which is you know pretty pretty powerful you know the whole idea of like reptile brain and stuff and we always associate negative and baser things with humans with reptiles because of them being cold-blooded on i think the animals get a bad rap <laughs> just because they're <laughs> cold-blooded uh but reptiles feel very monstrous to us so it's easy to like identify negative emotions with these like really ancient uh seemingly unfeeling animals and there's a lot of imagery with like a burning bush and like decaying fruit and ants there's a lot of yeah. ants, oh, ants. And the ants don't of ants. look like cgi they look real i don't know if they were but they don't look like computer generated yeah effects, it looks like real is, ants it looked real which i can appreciate in this day mm -hmm. and age where so many times when you see a spider on screen or whatever you can just tell it's cgi yep which drives me bonkers but like i get it i get mm -hmm. it but still i want it to look more realistic <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um and and i i like for being a first time like because the director has done like some shorts but for mm -hmm. being like her first full length i think it's really well done you know this is incredibly is solid it is Incred so pretty yeah where where was this filmed i wanted to look that up but I i'll look it up on imdb that. while we're chatting but i but know yeah, it's, it is so gorgeous yeah I, yeah and as a uh as a debut feature yeah this is very solid because uh 
it seems fully realized, you know, like everything. Th this is one of those moments where you look at it and you're like, oh, the director is very much in control uh, of this entire project. Like everything is exactly as she wants it is how this feels. It was filmed in Morocco. Okay. That so, makes sense that then. Yeah. That tracks. And yeah, it has both French and English spoken in it, which I, I like that sort of like going back between the two. Mm -hmm. And the lead astro actress, Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz, is so kick ass. She is mm -hmm. so good. I love yeah, she, her. Oh, yeah. She was uh, on point. And my favorite to my favorite color combination is like a bright blue with dark red, like blood red. And there's a lot of that in this because there's a lot mm -hmm. of bright blue skies. It's real bloody, like so much. So I think they like continuously ran out of blood on set or something. I read like uh -huh. there's so much blood in this film, especially at the end. They're just slipping and sliding all over. in it. <laughs> Which I like, too, because so often movies do like gunshot like people get shot uh and it's always so neat and clean normally in movies whereas like no when you get shot there is blood everywhere and it just keeps coming so this movie does a pretty realistic portrayal of like you know taking a slug to the shoulder like you're just gonna keep bleeding so yeah and it, there's a certain point where someone has a wound and they wrap themselves in saran wrap and it reminds me of when we did the first time we did a Golden Girls parody at the Ringwald, I've always played Rose every time we've done it. But there was a port, like towards the end of the show, I had to put on like a formal dress and it was like uh, a light maroon, but I would be so sweaty that I would just sweat through it and it would be these dark splotches everywhere where I was sweating. So we started, <laughs> we started like I would come off to do that change and I would hand the saran wrap off to my friend Richard and I would just run in a circle and cover myself in saran wrap so I wouldn't sweat through the gown. <laughs> and then usually by the time I took off the dress, all the saran wrap had sort of bunched together mm -hmm. around my waist. <laughs> so it reminded me of that. But I think there's some good humor in this too. I mean... Mm -hmm. It is a very serious film, but I think that there's a few spots of some some decent humor. But yeah, I think it's a really solid film. I I would. It sounds weird to say it's maybe my favorite rape revenge. Yeah. Film. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is. Like I yeah. feel like if you're gonna watch one rape revenge movie, revenge should be it. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Where it's like of of all of the ones I've seen, this one definitely rates. Highest, I think, as being a good movie and something I could say to people to like seek out and watch, um, you know, that in Promising Young Woman, I think those would be like those are all higher echelon, like actually uh, well-made movies uh, that I would say, yeah, go watch that. It's more than just an exploitation movie. Totally. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. More than exploitation. And I feel like there was something else I want to say in there. Rape oh, and the reason I gave this to you, of course, was because of Brett Wheat's message yeah. telegram in the beginning where he talked about justifiable violence and here a hundred percent justifiable yes. violence. Totally on board. Like all of these guys, you know, uh to borrow a phrase from earlier, these guys were asking for it. So that's <laughs> and they and they got it. So they really, really were. Yeah. So yeah, I it was it was fun to watch it again because it is 
it maybe feels just a little too long. Like I wish it was like 90 minutes. Yeah, that was my thing too. A little too long. When I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, this is a little longer than I thought it would be from like, like, how are you going to stretch that out? And I feel like some stuff could be cut because they're not filler, but there are plenty of shots that are sort of like, I understand the artistic impulse, of course, but there's some stuff that could have been trimmed because it's not necessarily part of the narrative. Now, a couple of little tidbits, and of course, if you're on IMDb, you can read these yourself, but in case you aren't and won't, then I will. So the director mentioned that Wild at Heart, which I've never seen, David Lynch, Ooh, have you that, seen it? Yeah, that movie's wild. So, well, good, it fits the title. She said Wild at Heart, Drive from 2011 and Under the Skin, as well as David Cronenberg films, are references for the film that she used in her pitch to potential financers. All right. And also that the music was inspired by the works of John Carpenter, Etienne Jamais, and Thomas Bangalter. Okay. But Carpenter, at least. And then you can hear it. The music is pretty awesome. I really dig the music a lot. For sure. And uh, yeah, I do feel like Wild at Heart and Drive especially are a couple of movies. uh, Stylistically, I can see similarities um this one actually the one the movie in my mind i was thinking i would pair this with uh if i were programming a double feature was actually texas chainsaw massacre part two oh because uh, the whole climax of that movie is an extended you know fight between our uh our final girl versus the the cannibal family out in the desert so that was the one that i was like oh this kind of has like a more serious texas chainsaw 2 vibe to me so that's the what i would pair it with I really need to rewatch that. I tried not too long ago and I made it to a certain point and like fell asleep and didn't come back to it or something. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember it from when I was a kid, but I remember that like Leatherface was nice to her at mm-hmm. some point. Like, that's what, like, I can almost see a scene in my head. Yeah. Towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I don't think though, of course, when I watched it as a kid, I don't. Had think I had any concept of like horror comedy, mm-hmm. and like this film definitely not this, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre two definitely leans into that over yes. the seriousness of the first one. Absolutely, yeah, no, it's more, it's totally bonkers. Texas Chainsaw two is one of those movies that's had a similar life with me, especially uh, like um, Halloween three, where like the first time I saw it, it's so wildly different from the rest of the you know series that exists in. You're like. I think this is horrible. How could they do something so different? But then as you spend time with it and maybe rewatch it a couple of times, all of a sudden now I'm like, this movie's brilliant. Like he was ahead of his time with doing a parody of his own movie <laughs> with uh, part two. He was trying to make fun of his own movie that he had made previously because people wanted him to outdo it. And he's like, there's no way to, oh, you know, overdo what I originally did other than to go incredibly wacky with it. So uh, and that's how it happened. And I feel like that looking back on a film as you get older and realizing what it was meant to be is like how my nieces will be with Megan when they get older. Sure. Like as they watch it as the kids that they are, mm-hmm. they can only look at it as being this serious piece of work as opposed to like when you're older and you can realize it's like it's funny. And it's sort of campy and funny happiness. Like you can't not to say kids can't grasp that, but like for the most part, you probably don't. It's sort of, it seems like it's probably a little bit lost on them, but not to say you can't still enjoy it. 
No. And and I think you're right, too, because there's so many things as a kid, you just take everything at face value, like it's so straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anything with any sort of nuance, that takes time to learn, you know, how to absorb those sorts of things. I don't know why that's just sort of baffling to me at this moment as we're talking about it. It is, just isn't that, it? Like you could see, and th- you could see things before you fully formed as a person and not fully grasp it, but th- that doesn't mean that it, you won't still enjoy it or love it or whatever, but that, that appreciation can come with age and understanding of all of the different nuances that can be in the world. Absolutely. I mean, I, I one of my most recents, I think, was Suspiria, the original Suspiria. Mm-hmm. I had only seen it once before when I was like in my early 20s, I think, is when I saw it, like, got to be college, something like that. But I, I just thought it was artsy for the sake of being artsy. And I was like, why do people think this is so good? And then rewatching it recently, I'm like, OK, this is so good. So, you know, you can have that change and just short periods of time so and did you hear that there's that argento documentary that's gonna be coming to shutter oh no it's called like dario argento panico i don't know if you say it differently panico 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 and it's um a documentary about argento which i'm so excited for it's gonna be coming to shutter so sounds cool yeah, yeah i'd watch that yeah, yeah. cool oh my god this conversation took so many twists and turns i love it it did do you have anything else to say about revenge? No, I think that's kind of covers it. It's uh it's uh it's a it's a ride. It's a ride. It is. It is. So, let's say out of 5 decaying bites to a pear. I think that was a pear. Or was it an apple? Are a we fruit. leaning into the <laughs> are we leaning into the garden of Eden? Was it an apple? Maybe. I don't even remember. But now. anyway, out of 5 <laughs> decaying bites to a piece of fruit Mm -hmm. how many do you give revenge uh i'm gonna give it i was teetering here uh but i'm gonna give it a three and a half and i was teetering but i'm gonna give it a four Ooh, wild i know i know so there we have a scare of approval scare of approval we do and i i was before the conversation i was thinking three and a half but as mm-hmm. it went on, I just I think it's very solid. I think her performance is magnificent. And I think it's saying more than I fully can grasp without spending like writing a dissertation on it. And I think because of that, yeah, I'm going, I'm going up the these that that's the thing, too. I was kind of teetering because I'm like, it's a very it's a good movie, but I don't know if I'm going to seek it out again. After having seen it once, I'm not sure it's one, you know, I'll be like, I can't wait to watch that movie again. Because <laughs> I just find as time goes on, especially no, no matter how good they are, as we were saying, the rape revenge, that mm-hmm. whole style. Uh, definitely, I'm less and less interested in it the older I get, because it's just, you know, it is what it is. Tastes change and it's not my not something I'm going to seek out no matter how good the movie is. Like once is usually like, okay, I'm solid now. I don't know if I need to watch that again, but sure. I get it. Yeah. yeah there you go. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to your share, your scare, uh, your scared to, share. Uh, shared my, scare? my shared, my shared scare that we got to go see together. Yeah. Uh, which was fun, uh, which is rare exports. Uh, that's the title I know it under. It's on Letterboxd as Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. So I think some places tack that subtitle onto it. Uh, directed by Jalmari Helander. Uh, it's a Finnish movie. Uh, the tagline is, This Christmas, everyone will believe in Santa Claus. 
And the description is, young Peter, he lives with his reindeer-herding father in Arctic Finland. On the eve of Christmas, a nearby excavation makes a frightening discovery, and an evil Santa Claus is unleashed. Ooh. Ooh. Major props for this being, because so many of the Christmas horror films are like a killer Santa, but not really Santa, like someone dressed up like Santa or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of these films. It's, It's a very unique Christmas horror film. Yes. Like, I think there's a lot about it that is extremely different and it almost has like a Spielberg sort of vibe to it. Mm hmm. Like yeah. with like the kids and the the adventure it takes. Like it sort of is like has that Goonies sort of feel of like the adventure that they go on and the kids sort of like taking control and kicking some butt and like knowing more than the adults and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I like I feel that vibe in there. I feel like there's some untapped like I wish there was a sequel because I feel like there's untapped things in it mm-hmm. that I wish were explored further. Yes. Like santa himself like i don't know how much because there are some twists and turns in this and some secrets so i don't know how much should be left to the imagination so people can seek this out because i don't know if it's on like amazon prime or something i think it used to be it's on uh peacock right now okay so i think we'll have a spoiler portion of this conversation because i don't want to just fully get into it because there are some things some great twists in here yeah which i was not aware of Mm-hmm. Um, it's very beautiful. It also, yeah. like Revenge, has a mix of languages. There's English spoken at times and Finnish. Finnish, yep. Said. Um, I don't know that I love the little boy. He's not like annoying, like that girl in Violent Night. Like he's not annoying, but I don't know that I like love him. Um, like he does. He just sort of ends up like taking charge, just sort of like out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I can like sort of appreciate, but also I guess I wanted to see somehow how that switch could happen so drastically. Hmm. But it's it's really a pretty like it's the cinematography again, like Revenge. I think is like pretty good. Like it, there's yeah. times where it just looks so pretty. But also kind of like Revenge, it didn't, it's not that it was too long, because it is shorter, it's like 80-some minutes, but there were times towards the beginning where I felt a little draggy, where I, I mean, we were sitting in, at Planet Ant, and I sort of felt myself starting to, like, doze off a little bit, like, just towards the beginning, like, so, but it wasn't like I came in super, but that, that's probably on me, but Uh still, like, it, it it picks up at a certain point, and then it's like, it takes its time getting to, like, the story, like where the story really launches. Cause I think in the beginning, they're just sort of setting the, there's a little bit of exposition setting the scene with the family and uh, the people. And I think I read that like, they made like two shorts before this that sort yes, of. Yes, correct. Okay. Have you watched those? I meant to, and I just didn't get the chance. I think I had seen one of them like many years ago, uh, but I don't remember them too well. Because it, it's fun, the whole movie is sort of a setup for the title in some way. Yes, yes, it is. Which it's is one of those. So yep. funny. Yep. And even like the sort of logo you see with the title, like yes. you get to that by the end, which is kind of a cool setup for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially because it starts as one thing, the logo appears in a different permutation before it changes by the end of the movie oh i don't think i totally realized that yeah because they're you know since they're reindeer farmers 
uh, in the beginning, and uh, mm. they have a logo that was a reindeer head. It's very similar to the okay. same, you know, for their ranch or whatever you would call it, where they uh, herd their reindeer. So, what is your history with this movie? Uh, this movie, like I, I remember when it came out. It came out in 2010. So I remember when it came out because it was uh, one of those things that, like, you know, bloody disgusting in your horror sites. We're like, okay, there's this weird film coming out of finland uh that's getting a lot of buzz on like the film festival circuit blah blah blah. and i was like okay interesting uh and by the time it hit streaming i think it was living on netflix eventually uh in the u.s that i i sat down and watched it at christmas time you know many years ago uh and was just sort of like that was not the movie i was expecting but i really enjoyed it uh and so it's always kind of like lived in the the back of my head that i need to revisit it finally got to and i uh that's that's sort of my experience with it um and i've always mentioned it to people looking for movies when you know when they're looking for counter programming so to speak for the christmas season Uh for like something a little weirder scarier darker um you know people now everyone talks about krampus of course but i would i would always throw out oh check out rare exports if you like you know foreign movies uh there's this finnish movie rare exports check that one out i think that's a fun movie to spring on people see and that's the thing i wish it was scarier i wish it had a little more violence to it yeah it gore. is definitely not it's a little bit horror light really yeah. like that i remembered it being more of a horror movie for some reason and then re-watching it i'm like it's more a jace than anything but it really is it is a little bit more of that adventure sort of film yes like all of a sudden it feels like we're in i don't know like I've never seen Rambo, but <laughs> sort yeah. of feels like Rambo Junior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it feels like yeah, a little flavoring of Rambo in a like like you said a Steven Spielberg, uh, or like uh, like Steven Spielberg Amblin uh, production, like The yes. Goonies, uh, or uh, E.T. or something like, like that. Columbus. <laughs> Yeah, Chris yeah. Columbus, but with like maybe a splash of like the thing, John Carpenter's the yeah. thing, just or just Stephen l- King's it. Yep, lightly sprinkled in there, <laughs> and I, that's where I like because there definitely are some creepy parts, right? Mm-hmm. There is like so they they capture this you know Santa creature in like a trap, thinking that they're trying to because they're trying to find something that's killing their reindeer, and mm-hmm. lo and behold, it's this creepy old man who's very skinny and has this big gray beard and the way he looks at the little boy is definitely creepy and you're like oh and like there's also like a little bit of like not torture porn but like they're gonna like torture this guy like trying to figure out like what the fuck his deal is yeah and but i just wish it leaned in like there's this part where all these little kids are sort of like kidnapped and i wish we saw that happen or something Mm -hmm. like yes there was that it got a little darker there. Like, is it, it's gotta be rated R because there's a lot of naked men. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. A lot of CGI naked men. Let's be honest. Where I was talking Uh, about like the ant looked real, not CGI. Here, there's large groups of running naked men and they definitely look CGI. (laughs) They definitely look CGI. And I do think this was rated R or maybe it was released like unrated, but yeah. But there's a lot of nudity. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, 2010, you know? Yeah. 
It and, was a while ago. And it's European. Like, they don't exactly. care as much. They definitely do not care as much about nudity as Americans get real squeamish about it. So, and I can't, I mean, it's, it had to have been a fairly low budget film. I can't imagine that this, you yeah, know, I don't like think it had a very big budget. budget. So, yeah. Like, I can forgive them some sort of mediocre CGI. Mm hmm. Um, and it's definitely not your Coca-Cola Santa. No, say, definitely which not. I like a Coca-Cola I, Santa. I liked that. I think the uh, uh, rewatching it, you know, after many years, I think the kids are really like adorable. Like your lead couple of kids, even though like his buddy, the rough and tumble one, because <laughs> rough and tumble. Yeah, because he's like smoking cigarettes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But he, I don't know. He just reminds me so much of like when I was a preteen growing up and we just couldn't wait to like be adults so we were out trying to do <laughs> whatever we could get away with so you know it, it's just i don't know they're they're very endearing i think he's kind um, of a farkas yeah and, and especially so much of a bully he's just like you said a little rough and tumble i like that. yeah yeah and then the lead boy of course i i don't know i just find it really endearing him and his little stuffed animal whatever it is that he's always oh, yeah mm -hmm. he's always confiding in vupa or whatever his name was his little like i think it's supposed to be like a dog but it really just looks like a like a brown ball of cloth that he's tracking around with him but uh and this is really a family affair because the lead kid and his dad are actually father and son <gasps> They are? Yes. And oh I was my thinking, God, I didn't know that. I was thinking how authentic their relationship feels, where you're like, the dad feels kind of stern, but you can see that he's loving throughout and he's just trying to do what's right for Because, you know, the mom is uh, like, slight spoilers, mom must be dead. Or uh, I, I think that's what they're alluding to in the movie really subtly, which I like that they do it subtly instead of beating you over the head with it. I but, do too. Yeah. But uh, to, since your mother died from the from cancer yeah. five years ago exactly so uh but you know you're like oh he's just trying to do what's right you know for them to survive and uh you're like this is really authentic it feels really like solid and then i look it up and i'm like oh they actually are father and son that is uh, so cute and the director is the uncle okay the director is the the guy wow. that played the dad. It's his brother-in-law is the director of the movie. So. How cool is that? Yeah, so it's a family affair, this flick. That is super duper cute. Yeah. All right, should we get into some spoilery stuff? Yeah, let's just go into the actual spoilers now. Okay, so you've been warned. You've been warned. Here's the real spoilers. So while I really liked the twist of all of the little old men were elves and that yes. sort of really in the world of the movie, the Santa, as we know is an elf. Yes. <laughs> like that. They sort of get shipped out by the end of this film. And they're just, those are Santa's elves. But I, I I'm really bummed out that we never got to fully see the real the, Santa. Yeah. We see some horns. Yep. And he's in, encased in a big block of ice. Mm -hmm. But I and can only imagine that the budget to have to d have done that or the yeah. possible bad CGI. So it's like I can forgive it for that. But I, I wanted that so bad. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting to see they sort of like combined the mythology of Santa Claus and like Krampus into one thing where, you know, he's reading a book and like how much of that is from real folklore. I don't know. But he's like, yeah really like if you go back far enough santa actually punished kids and was this horrible like demon man so it's like oh i like that they're playing with because there are so many different santa 
Santa Claus, as we know him, of course, comes from a bunch of different traditions throughout Europe and just kind of got all mashed and homogenized together. So I do wonder if there's certain strains of it where he is some sort of monster actually uh, eating kids or whatever it is he's doing. Yeah, So, but like how does, like it almost seems like the kid knows that Santa's to be evil because he's doing all this research. Like why yeah. wouldn't he, like that feels... Like, not like it isn't justified, but like, why was he doing all this research on Santa all of a sudden? Yeah. 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 If there was something to lead us that way a little more, because there are certain plot points that just sort of like at face value, they're like, Santa, obviously. And so he just goes that direction. And if there's a little more like some sort of magic or something to like lead him that way where he sees something unusual. um, Yeah. If there would have been something that would have happened towards the beginning that would have led a little bit, like even that the american guy or whatever he was english guy like Mm -hmm. saying something more than just here's the list of do's and don'ts you know that sort of leads you to the idea that maybe it must be santa yep but like that there's just maybe some more that happens there for sure leads to that um but definitely unique like very quirky unique Yeah. yeah wild um I know, like you said, Finland looks gorgeous. Like it's it's all snowy because they were up in like the Arctic part of Finland, way in the north. But I'm like, that looks beautiful. I would totally want to see there. And yeah, it was totally fun to go watch it with you in person because Planet Ant has teamed with Cinema Detroit, which if you're not from the Detroit area, or even if you are, you may not know. But Cinema Detroit used to be down at, I think, called this place called the Furniture Factory, which used to house a theater in it a long time ago. Do you are you shaking your head like yes, that's true? Yes, that's true, I believe, okay. right? So yeah. the Furniture Factory was just this building, that's what it was called, and it had a couple of different sections to it, but one section used to be a, like a live performance art theater, and then Cinema Detroit was showing like very unique movies there, documentaries, mm-hmm. and sort of like um, more art house fair. Yes. And and things that, like, some re-releases, and just all sorts of stuff. Very, very, very cool. And then... I don't know what exactly happened, but they were no longer in that space and sort of were no longer as far as most people knew. And now they've teamed up with Planet Ant. And I think this was their first venture together. Yes. Yeah. As far as I know, after they lost the space, I'm not sure what happened there. I I don't know if it was like a rent issue uh, from, you know, during the pandemic or what. But um, I know they were doing some pop ups here or there, uh, partnering with, you know, various venues that... uh, could uh, accommodate. Uh, And so it looks like, though, that they're planning to do this going forward with Planet Ant. From what I understand, they have a series like curated of movies they want to do. So that should be fun. Yeah. And Paula and Tim were there and they're the owners of Cinema Detroit, the founders, the owners, all of the above. They seemed very cool. We talked to them afterwards. You have what was your relation with Tim? Like you Uh, have mutual friends? One of my best buds that I've known since seventh grade. He worked with Tim. Uh, And so he was like, you do a podcast on horror movies. Tim runs Cinema Detroit and they like to show old horror movies like you guys need to hook up somehow. So uh, Sam's been pushing me for uh, a while to do that. But well, thanks, uh, Sam. yeah, we finally did it. Yeah, we met them and we're excited moving forward. We're definitely going to be hitting them up to to see how else we can possibly do something together because they seem very cool and and they play good movies. So, yeah. So very, it was very exciting, very 
it was fun to to see you as always and to see um another film there because we saw caligari doctor of yeah cabinet the, of dr caligari there yeah what was that like two years ago maybe it was and both times the theater has it's been cold. So cold like i was freezing yeah it's <laughs> so like, like heat... can we do a summer show yeah we <laughs> have we to do one in the summer apparently because like i think we saw caligari in like the fall or winter as well and it was yep freezing in the building i just remember bundling up watching it that one too so yeah and there weren't many people there for this like i know that i think the cinema i think tim and paula said like normally they sell out when they do Mm -hmm. things and there were like 10 people there which was a bummer yeah so hopefully word gets out and they get more people going to these and i think it's like a combo like i don't hear a lot of people talk about this film it is definitely a cult classic or classic maybe even a little too strong of a word (laughs) definitely definitely a cult film yeah, a cult film. And I don't think a lot of people know, like I know about it because, you know, we run in the circles of being on all these websites and following yeah. these like podcasts and YouTubers who talk about obscure horror movies. And that's what we seek out because we know all the commercial shit. We want to know the deeper. Dives. Yeah, I want to I want to find the weirder stuff. Yeah. So and um, this is there. So, yeah, if you're looking for something a little unusual, this is what you got to watch for sure. So I'm glad you I'm glad you gave it to me. I thought I had started it before, but there's no way. Like in those first couple minutes, I was like, "Oh, I would re- remember this." Yeah, like I've never seen this, and never I do want to throw it. throw on an addendum. Normally, we I would wait till the next episode, you know, to talk about what we've been watching. But this is so related, I want to bring it up. Uh, I just watched last night, in fact, the movie Sisu, uh, oh. which was that World War II uh, like action movie set in finland but it's the same director as rare exports it's the lead actor is the guy that played the dad in this you know his son appears as a supporting character again in sisu so it's all like the same team and that came out last year uh and it's yeah and it's a wild um i know it got a limited release in the u.s but if people missed it like i highly recommend uh sisu because it was like a violent crazy like um I'd call it heightened reality version of uh, World War II in Finland. So it's a it, it was a wild ride. Would you have been able to point out the sun in a line since 13 years have passed? Like, can you tell that it's him? I saw him. Like, as soon as you saw his face, you're like, that's him. There he, he has is. A very, yeah. He, he has, has very unique features. Uh-huh. And I was like, that is him. He's playing that German soldier in this movie. So okay. that's that's cool uh but it was all the same team that made rare exports made that movie and i'm like oh okay and i can feel they have a similar vibe like this guy's got a distinct filmmaking style i think where you're like yep yep all his movies have a similar sort of vibe to them so well good for him and good for them yeah absolutely yeah cool so unless you got anything else to add uh let's rate this puppy okay uh out of five naked old elf men how many do you give it <laughs> oh hot i'm gonna give it three and a half cool and i'm gonna give this a four so <laughs> flip floppers flip flopped so but nevertheless another scare of approval scare of approval that's right we'll scare it up baby yeah, I think uh, everybody check this out if you want to really, uh, you know, weird out your family on Christmas. With, oh, my uh, God. Be like, we're not watching Muppet Christmas Carol. We're watching Rare Exports, so get ready. Oh, my God. Although, you know what? That's funny you bring that up because I've never seen a Muppet Christmas Carol. And someone that's was just right. telling me how I, oh, were we talking about that? We did talk about we it did, at the theater. Yep. Okay, that's why you brought it back. You called it. 
call yep. back. A callback. I gotta watch it. I only have a couple days to figure it out. So it's good. Uh, all right. It's on Disney Plus if you have okay. access to that. But I do. But but the version on Disney Plus is a weird version that's different from the one I remember as a kid. Why? Because they did a thing where they like flopped out. They flipped out one of the songs. Like there was a song that number that was cut from the movie as I remember it. Uh, but the version on Disney adds it back in. But in doing that, they remove a different scene. So oh, weird. It, yeah, it's kind of weird. So when I watch it, I'm like, every time I rewatch it on Disney Plus, I'm like, I don't remember that. Oh, that's the scene they added in and they lost a different scene. So oh, it's weird. Man. Yeah, it's weird. That's too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeremy, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. All of the things. Happy holidays, whatever it is that yeah. you do. Yeah. And Enjoy if you it. Don't celebrate any of those, then just, you know, have your best life. Live the best to its abilities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're going to take off next week and mm-hmm. we'll be back in the new year with our 160th episode with a new special guest, which we're so excited for. Absolutely. And yeah, and thank you everyone for a terrific 2023. It was a really good year and we're so grateful for you. And Jeremy, I yeah. am so very, very grateful for you. I'm grateful for you too. And I, I wanted to say too, uh, what a great time to throw in on Letterboxd. I made a list. I decided to make a list of every movie we reviewed. Uh, and including you did it. I did it. And including the two that are in this episode, we have reviewed 277 movies so far. Wow. That's amazing. or I should say watched and talked about 277 movies thus far on the show. I love that. Isn't that that's wild? Yeah, you know what? We're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, in another year it'll be another hundred something, I'm sure. So <laughs> well, it's been delightful. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, come back and check us out again. Write to us, scaringsharing at gmail.com, or follow us on Insta, scaring and sharing. All one word. That's right. And Jeremy, remember, I'm your number one fan. Until next time, season's bleedings. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is a sharing. Bye. <laughs> This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.